What's good? You already know who it is, and if you don't know who it is, it's your man Leon Benson, aka Leon Genesis, aka your mom's favorite personal trainer, aka Les Get It, aka Les Work, aka Always Working, aka Beatrice Thompson in the building. What it do? We back at it again, man. This is episode 139, season four of the Passion Purpose Perspective podcast by yours truly. We out here, we working. Man, it's March 26th, 2023, man. It's Sunday fun day. So, as some of you guys know, I did skip last week my fault. Um... Your boy was exhausted and I really didn't I honestly I just made an excuse and I didn't do the work. Um I was not trying to squeeze in another activity uh you know. Yeah man, I was done. But anyway, I'm about to get into why. So, last episode we discussed pyramid sets, drop sets, and then in the world of finance, we discussed uh the current bank failures so if you want to go back into the feed and listen to episode 138 you can check out all of the details on that now today i want to talk about my 15k race results all right and then in the world of finance we're going to talk about pretty much just the current economic environment uh, just from a macroeconomic perspective. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk about the Federal Reserve and what's going on with that. We're not going to get into any 10K report stuff today because, yeah, it's just too much to get to. So without further ado, before we get into this, please make sure you download, rate, comment and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. Now, as some of you guys know, I've been busting my ass training for uh, this upcoming 15K race. Well, it's not upcoming anymore. It already passed. It was on March 19th. I started training for this essentially in December. Like December 10th, I started weight training again. I took a month off uh, from running because of all the previous running that I was doing um, just to stay in shape, not gain too much weight. Uh, and just because at one point I absolutely was obsessed with running. Like everything else that I get into, I've just become overly obsessed with something. So, yeah, I took a break. I started back up in December um, as far as lifting weights, because at that point I haven't lifted weights in a public gym in like two years since the pandemic or whatever. So I just wanted to get back on track. Um, that went pretty well. Um, I definitely rebuilt some strength. Um, I rebuilt some muscle that I had previously lost. Things was cool. Things was Gucci. Everything was good. Um, lo and behold, every year for the last, what, five years, we do uh, these 15K races. Uh, they're called uh, Hot Chocolate Runs. So they do these every single year in San Diego. So, of course, in the last year, I already knew that this was coming up. They're every single March in San Diego. So, of course, I transitioned from weight training into just running um, a little more or just working on my cardio. But, of course, I didn't train the way that I should have trained for this. I, I put more emphasis on weight training. I've, 
unfortunately. But I, I wanted to use this run as just a way to gauge where I'm at for the year. So yeah, let me just kind of get into my notes so I can make this make sense for you guys. Now, um, usually you go online, you find some racing events. If you're a runner or if you're somebody who wants to get into some events, you got to look in your area. They have different types of apps like Eventbrite or they have uh, the, the Race Your Pace uh, series that they kind of show you in whatever local areas you're at. They show you all the upcoming races that are coming. 5Ks, 15Ks, 10K races, half marathons, marathons, freaking triathlons, ultra marathons, etc. Whatever it is you're into. Um, so you can look at the date. You can look at how much it costs to register. You can look at what you get as far as like, um, you know, participation awards, any type of merchandise or gear, etc. And yeah, you register online. You sign up for a race. So with this one, it's just something that we do all the time. We do every single year, once a year at least. So yeah, the typical, you go online, you register for the race. Now, once you register, you get your confirmation emails, etc., etc. You also have to put in the time that you're expected to run. So they're going to ask you what it what is your what's going to be your pace? So how many minutes per mile are you going to run? For me, I'm just uh, keep it simple. I'm not trying to go crazy. For me, this is just a this was a race to gauge where my current level and abilities are, because honestly, I've been training my ass off for for the last like what going on. This is the seventh year as far as like really intense training. But as far as like just a combination of when I started versus now, we we damn near 23 years in the game training. I'm exhausted. Um, I've done a lot of work, especially the last six or seven years. Um, so yeah, I really wasn't trying to go into this race with like this crazy ass, like, you know, I'm a badass. I'm about to beat somebody's ass mindset. I just was going into this to kind of like, like I said earlier, gauge where I'm at for the year, because every year, typically I will challenge myself in some regards to like just my physical abilities with fitness. Um, and one of my favorite ways to do that is through running. But but with this one, like I said, I wanted to see where I was at. So register for the race and you put in your time. I put in a very slow, not a very slow time. I put in a time that I know I could hit, which again, uh, it, I put in 10 minutes. So you put in your time on the website when you're registering for the race. Why do you do this? Because that's going to put you in a certain, uh, I forget what they call it. Good Lord. But there's basically like levels or slots. So they they uh, they categorize them by letters. So I was in uh, the J group. And then, um, yeah, the person I was running with, which is my family member, um, they ran in the K group. So a little bit behind me or whatever, you know, the faster people run up ahead slower people run behind you can walk if you want to doesn't matter but you do have to put in a time that that you think you're gonna finish um and that's just so they can have people line up in a certain spot one at the start but anyway once you do that you register you get your confirmation emails etc from there a day before the race so the race is on a sunday on saturday you have to go and pick up your bib number so your bib number is just a number if you've never done a race before 
or if you've never watched track and field or anything like that, you get a number out of all the other competitors um, or participants. That number, that's your bib number, and there's a barcode on it. So you need that, and you have to attach it to your clothing when you're running. So that way, they can track your time when you cross the finish line. Uh, when you start and when you cross the finish line, another thing they do too is they actually take pictures of you as you're running. So that way you have the ability to buy pictures online um, of yourself running in the race. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty cool. They try to send you however many pictures they capture of you. And there's photographers throughout uh, the course too. So you'll see them as you're running. But uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, you go to pick up your bib on Saturday, the race is on Sunday. So you go to the expo, um, sometimes you go and there's a shit ton of people there. Other times you go, there's hardly anybody there. This time we went, there was hardly anybody there. I was pissed because we had to pay $40 for parking just to go walk a few minutes around this building, um, to, to go grab a bib, which literally took like a few minutes. So you go inside and they've got a couple booths. And um, they they were giving out, uh, what do you call it, chocolate-covered marshmallows. Jones was amazing. I had, like, four of them jaunts, not even going front. Um, yeah, so you go. Also, too, if you have an iPhone, Team iPhone, shout-out Team iPhone. If you have an iPhone, you can add your registration or your confirmation ticket into your Apple wallet. Once you go to the expo, you will show, uh, you will show them at the register uh your your confirmation through your wallet they scan the barcode then they give you uh what the hell do they give you jesus i forgot already yeah they give you they give you your bib your bib number now from there once you get your bib number you have to walk over to another section and you show them your bib and then from there they just confirm what your what your uh what your group letter is as far as where you're running at um, make sure everything's up to date, whatever you ordered, they look at the size because the size of your, you get hoodies. So you always get a hoodie every single year. You get a hot chocolate hoodie with the logo, with the, with the, you know, their patented logo on it. Um, so yeah, what they're looking for on the bib is they're looking for the size of your hoodie. You got to put in the size of what hoodie you're going to get after the race. You're going to get a medal as well, but they don't measure for that, obviously. Um, so yeah. After that, you get you get your you get your hoodie, um, and I think yeah they give you a running hat too. The hat is I'm not even gonna lie, the hat is not that stylish. The color is amazing, but it's not that stylish. It's a runner's hat, so it has a very long brim to cover the sun. Um, so we got the bibs, we got the gear. Gear check was cool. The hoodies this year were absolutely awesome. They got some nice little pockets on the front. Um, super cozy. I love the material this year. Um. The, the the previous year was like a more like I don't know polyester type type of material. It was very very loose, very like stretchy. I didn't like that. I wasn't feeling that. This year, um, the hoodies were very more like cotton based. Um, a little bit more like they hugged the body a little bit more, so a, a slimmer fit. I was loving it, and I love the pockets on it too. Um, and the hood of the hoodie is very cozy, like it covers your head completely and it has drawstrings on it. And then it also has on the sleeves, it has like uh, these holes where you could put your thumb in. So that way you can cover up like half of your hand if it's like freezing outside. So super duper runner friendly hoodie. And that's what you get as a part of your goodie package or whatever. Um, from there, 
you pretty much you just leave or you can buy stuff they have like other hot chocolate merchandise and all that but anyway we did the expo whatever we left paid 40 dollars just to do that because the parking was is like ridiculously expensive in california um and then yeah race prep like i said i started in december i ended my prep uh literally like the final the final week before the race so the race was march 19th i finished up that 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 friday before the race and yeah we're just trying to get ready and not overdo things but i definitely over uh i overdid it as far as like just the amount of weight training that i did for this race uh so yeah uh the start time of the race was 7:45 in the morning which was way too damn early to be running some 9 9.32 miles but we did it anyway so yeah um, we got there, we warmed up. I didn't have too much time to warm up because honestly, I wasn't trying to wake up any earlier than what I woke up. I don't even remember what time I woke up, but yeah, honestly, like your boy was exhausted, but I definitely was, I was ready though, for sure. Just as far as like getting it done and over with. Um, so yeah, start time was 745. There was over 6,000 runners and walkers in attendance. So this is a huge ass event every single year. Pardon my French. Um, but yeah, my only gripe, well, I have a lot of gripes, but my issues with myself was that I only trained three times a week doing practice runs to see, to see where my, where my skills was at. I had a few really good, like I had like one or two tempo runs that were not the full nine miles, but they were very, there were very good times that I would ran. Like, uh, there was like a five or six mile uh, practice run that I had that was really really good but yeah honestly with the way that I set up my training now I was I just yeah man like I said I've been doing this shit for a long ass time um, 22 years in total as far as just overall exercise as far as the running yeah the last like six and a half years we did like a 200 mile challenge in 2020 um, and just all of the running that I did last year, all the, you know, like, especially after the pandemic, like that's all I was doing was running because I was terrified of the gym. So yeah, my body was so busted up and beat down that I had changed my training schedule. Um, instead of training seven days a week, like I used to now I only train three times a week. So I took that and I saw how I was still making progress. I was you know, recovering a lot faster because I was getting more rest in between training sessions. So I took that into this training camp for this 15K race. Bad idea. I didn't get enough practice in. I didn't get in enough road work. I didn't do enough runs. And that's my own dumbass fault because once again, I wasn't taking this race as serious um, because again, just exhausted, man. And I wanted to see like, let me see if I can still do this at a high level. Like I said, I had really good practice runs, so I know I can still I can still groove a little bit if I really put my mind to it. But um, yeah, man, as far as, you know, getting the race underway, uh, there's a few hills literally within the first 30 seconds of the race. You're running up a hill. It's not the steepest hill, but you're literally running up a hill. Um, So, yeah, there's a there's like, I don't know, four or five, like really steep hills. Uh, there was one hill at mile five, like right when you're going to 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 hit mile five is a big ass hill. So at the end of mile four, you got to run up this big ass hill. And for, for people who aren't prepared, like 
you can just see it like it's like man it sucks because you're maybe i don't know give or take 100 yards away and you're coming down a big ass hill so if you're a runner you know how that is when you run downhill you're chilling you let the hill do the work for you you start to pick up some natural speed you don't have to really exert too much energy like i said you let the hill do the work however you literally see a big ass hill a hundred yards away so now you're just anticipating like oh my goodness like i really gotta run up this big ass fucking hill like this is ridiculous um so yeah run up the big ass hill go past on mile five from there you know there's a couple turns and whatnot but you're just you're running through the city they literally just create like a nine mile uh course uh in which you're just like running throughout the city or whatever so it's pretty cool and uh, you know people people come outside of their houses and they they watch you they clap for you they have a couple water stations um at one point i'm not a water drinker when i run I consume all of my calories and all of my I hydrate before my runs and after my runs. It's just a distraction. I try to always stay prepared as far as like, all right, if I'm competing, I don't want to have to stop for any reason. The bathroom, nothing. Because I'm thirsty, nada, nah. So, yeah. You know, trying to be a cool kid. This time I'm like, you know what? Let me get some water just because I just felt like getting some water. I wasn't even thirsty. I grabbed the water. I take a little sip and I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. I don't need this. So I try to throw the water into one of the trash cans that they have. Of course, I'm still running. I'm not running that fast, but I'm running fast enough. And then I drop the water on the floor and I'm like, yeah, this is ridiculous. So, yeah, we ran, we ran, you know, um, I tried to to take a video of every time I passed one of the mile marks. So at one mile mark, I took a video, two miles, took a video all the way until the finish line or whatever. Um, that was just for like social media, but yeah, man. Um, as far as like just thoughts throughout the race or just how it went pretty much, I kept an extremely slow pace for most of the race. I even got bored at one point. Like, I kind of was daydreaming, and I'm like, damn, yo, I got to get back in the game. I got to get focused. Like, what am I doing? So, towards the end, I typically, I like to increase my speed, like, all the time, whether it's in training or in competition. I just, I try to, I try to, I try to really give it, you know, my everything. This time, at about my, I was at, like, 8.30 miles. Here I go. I try to pick up some speed. I try to generate, you know what I'm saying, a little bit of Usain Bolt, a little bit of Michael Johnson, Maurice Green in me, right? Nope. Your boy was straight cramping up. I was getting cramps in both my hamstrings and my ankles were also cramping as well. I'm like, wow, this is really not happening to me. From that moment on, it really made me second guess whether I should compete in the future. Like, what am I really doing here? I can barely get through a nine mile race. I'm cramping up literally at the most important part. Um, literally like the finish line was, you know, give or take 80 yards away. And I'm trying to like really do my thing. Another funny thing too is there was somebody that was kind of like keeping pace with me a little bit. And that individual, it was some lady. She was like, uh, you know, we've been kind of staying like on the same, like on the same pace throughout the race. And I'm like, yeah, uh, whatever. That's cool. Like I was just trying to be focused or whatever. Um, cause I have my music, you know, 
grooving. I was blasting it, whatever. But yeah, and then she's like, um, I hope you inspire me. Uh, and I'm like, and I'm like, I will. So I, I pass her for a little bit going down this hill. And like I said, this was towards the end of the race. By the time we get to the end of the race, like she passed me a little bit, I passed her. She passed me, I passed her. She passed me, I passed her. End of the race, I'm like, okay, cool. This is my this is my moment. This is usually when I do my thing. So I'm going, I'm trying to go ham. Like I said, I caught, I caught cramps in both my legs, top and bottom of my legs. Like I was hurting. I literally, if I would have pushed any harder, I definitely would have collapsed just by my legs giving out. She passes me like way before the finish line and I'm mad embarrassed just because of of me saying, yeah, I'm going to inspire you. Like, really? So you're going to inspire somebody by cramping up and not being able to give your best at the very end of it. Like, come on, bro. So, yeah, it was it was embarrassing. But, yeah, basically, like overall throughout this race, I got my ass beat. But that's because I didn't I didn't properly prepare. So, yeah. But anyway, just to kind of recap or not recap, but just to kind of speed things up and not make this a long drawn out story. My time for the race was one hour, 21 minutes and 36 seconds. So my pace, I ran eight point, uh, yeah, eight minutes and 46 seconds per mile. So yeah, that for me is not fast. That for me is like, that's a light day. But yeah, unfortunately, I did not prepare the way that I normally prepare. And it definitely showed. And also, too, it just showed that like when I don't take something serious, I don't do well at it. I don't excel at it. So that was one of the main takeaways from this race. Um, as far as my placing, um, again, because of how I prepared, because of how I performed, I was not happy with my placing either. But I placed 13th out of 50 people in my age group now my my best year ever uh, i think it was i think it was 2020 but my best placing was seventh place in my age group so i was top 10 you know my best year this year i was in 13th place like what come on like man that really hurt my soul so you know i don't know what the future holds but i honestly I want to get that one back, not that one specifically, not the hot chocolate race, but I'm feeling like I need to, you know, redeem myself in the in the future. I don't know when, but yeah, if you follow me on on Instagram at Leon Benson two on Instagram, if you follow me on uh, Facebook, uh, what Mr. Leon Benson, the third, you know, I, I will update you guys if I plan on redeeming myself in a in a future event because I was kind of I was hurt I was butt hurt by the fact that I didn't give my best and it showed in my performance. Um, not happy with my work, but I am grateful for the ability and the opportunity to be able to exercise and run every single day, um, or three days a week or whatever, or just to be able to com compete in other events wherever. Um, because I don't, we don't just do them in San Diego. We've done, uh, we've done one, two other ones, one, uh, hot chocolate race we did in San Francisco. I think that one was one of my better times. Um, and then we did, uh, we did a hot chocolate race in Dallas, Texas. It was, it was freezing cold in Dallas, Texas. I try to forget that race as much as I can just because, but yeah, we ran in Dallas, we ran in San Francisco and you know, every year we try to do one in, in San Diego as well. 
So yeah. But um as far as any takeaways and and and, and lessons that I've learned from from this event, pretty much I got three lessons here and then I'm going to wrap up the fitness portion of this. So lesson number 1, not everything is a race. You have to enjoy the experience. Uh so that's number 1. Um number 2, lack of preparation yields shitty results. That's number two. Lesson number three, it's okay to let loose and have fun. Um, Because what they do, like they have like a warm up before the race and they have a cool down after the race. They have a DJ and one of the main instructors, uh, which he goes by the name of Nassara, Coach Nassara. You can look him up. He's so he's super duper popular all over San Diego. He has a couple of run groups. He's been a trainer for years. Uh, he's really good at what he does gets people hyped up but yeah i was i was honestly after that race i was ready to go i was exhausted um i didn't give my best but also too just like some of you guys that know me personally man like i'm either like ridiculously social or i'm pretty much mute so yeah i was not really you know too hyped up and this and that whatever you know i just was trying to get up out of there but yeah man Definitely, like I said, you know, the lessons, not everything is a race. you got to enjoy the experience. Number two, lack of preparation yields shitty results. And number three, it's okay to let loose and have fun. So honestly, overall, I did have fun. Um, after the race, of course, you know we had to eat food. So we went to this place called the Pancake House. If you're ever in San Diego, um, I don't know if they have them in L.A. or any other places. But uh, if you're ever in San Diego... You gotta try the pancakes at the pancake house. The portions are small if you get like just a three stack on the side, but if you get like the regular, like a regular portion of just like the legit pancakes, man, ridiculously sized portions. But yeah, man, melt in your mouth, crazy. They were so good. Um, had, uh, I, but I just got the small pancakes. I just got some three three buttermilk pancakes, put some blackberry jam on them, some syrup. You know how we get down little bit of butter it was it was cracking and then um just some sausage and some eggs kept it kept it easy kept it greasy and then um what else did we have uh we got some donuts from this place called mary's which is over in el cajon um one of the best donut spots in, in california uh only other spot better than that is a place called sidecar donuts but those are like uh gourmet donuts those donuts is like four dollars for one donut so it's ridiculous if you try if you want a budget you know i'm saying or you like to save money which is something that we talk about on this show yeah mary's they got they got they got the dozen for like i don't know what 11 or 12 dollars it used to be 10 dollars, but you know how that is inflation is on the rise so but yeah man we got some donuts uh i've been going crazy man i put on almost eight pounds since the race the race was on the 19th on march 19th it's now the 26th. Um, I'm literally almost 190 pounds. Like, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty depressing. But I'm going to work on that in the future. I'm just trying to enjoy my life, enjoy some food, and take a break. But, uh, yeah, man, that was that. So, we'll more than likely do that same race again next year. But there's a there's a, a, there's definitely a high probability that I'm going to do another event in the near future and i'm i'm gonna really try to dedicate my life to that event and really put in the time like 
you know, cult mamba mentality status on that joint, how I normally do when I train. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. Only time will tell because I am still I am still fresh. You know what I'm saying um, I got I got time left. Um, as far as just like being able to perform at a, at a high level. So I want to be able to prove that to myself again before this year is over. And then from there, who knows what will happen, but we'll see. But anyway, man, if you enjoyed the fitness portion of today's episode, make sure you download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. Now, getting into the finance portion of today's episode. So last episode, we talked about bank failures, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, we talked about Signature Bank. There was also was another bank that had failed as well. Um, I'll kind of cover that today. Uh, so let's get into a nice little economic update. So the S&P 500 at the close on Friday was at 3,970.99 points or 17.59% off of the January 2022 highs. So most of the treasury yields have fallen well below 5% as of late. I don't know what the hell's going on in the bond market, but shit is just out of control. So... What I want to do now is something that I might do in the future. So I'm going to do what is called a weekly roundup. So basically, just collect a little bit of data throughout the week. And I'm going to just recap that quickly. Um, and then other episodes, we're going to get into our usual topics and content as far as like 10K annual reports. But today is going to mostly just be about the weekly roundup. So let's get into that. First Republic Bank, which is a bank in San Francisco, um, they got caught up in some of this contagion after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failures spooked their customers. So First Republic Bank, they had $212 billion in assets at the end of 2022, according to the Hill.com. And recently the stock dropped 87%. And bank depositors withdrew roughly $70 billion since the Silicon Valley Bank failure, uh, which is just insane. Also important to note that 68% of First Republic Bank's depositors were uninsured, meaning that they held more than $250,000 cash in the bank. So for those of you who don't understand what the hell I'm talking about, basically in the world of finance recently, the, the, the financial sector has been having a lot of difficulties. And essentially, when the central banks of America, aka the Federal Reserve, when they tighten financial conditions, that means that they make it harder and more expensive to borrow money so that you can do business or take care of your expenses as a company. Now, the Federal Reserve, all most of last year and this year, have been increasing interest rates. When they increase these interest rates, it increases the interest rates 
for commercial banks like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, et cetera, et cetera, and, and regional banks as well. So if you bank with, with whoever you bank with, I don't know, if you bank with Bank of America and you have a, a car note with them, and maybe it's at, I don't know, give or take 16% or something like that or whatever. I don't even really, I shouldn't even say percentages because Lord knows I can barely add and subtract. But anyway, if your interest rate is whatever it is and the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, that means that your card note for Bank of America, the interest rate on that is probably going to increase, which means you're going to pay a higher, uh, just a higher card note every single month out of your pocket. So take that and now just basically think about how that affects this situation. So banks have to have a certain amount of cash reserves. So they have reserve requirements. They have to have a certain amount of money in their safes at all times. And the reason is because in case there are a large amount of withdrawals in a single time frame, the bank needs to have enough liquidity or enough cash to be able to fulfill those desired withdrawals. If they don't, there will be what is called a classical bank run or a run on the bank. The bank will go out of business because they will lose literally all of the physical cash in their safes because people pull them out. Now, again, when when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it puts pressure on banks and anybody else that borrows money. Um, another thing that banks do is, in order to maintain some of their some of their uh, cash reserves um, or just some of their assets, is they will buy different types of securities. So they might buy uh, marketable securities, or just basically like they'll buy stocks, but they'll also buy debt securities like bonds. Uh, they'll buy municipal bonds. They'll buy mortgage-backed securities. Um, and basically, some of these banks, like, for example, Silicon Valley Bank, they were buying what are called, we'll just call them long-dated treasuries. So they were buying treasury bonds that, were, that had a 10-year maturity. So the bonds wouldn't reach their full potential, their full value for 10 years. However, when the, when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, the problem with that is it makes the price of those treasury bonds go down and become less valuable because more people will take their money and they'll put it into assets that are generating a higher rate of return by way of the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates. So, yeah, that is a part of what's been happening in the banking sector. Now, going back to my notes here, because... Yeah, I just went way, way, way off track as far as like where we were at. So basically, going back to this. So depositors at First Republic Bank in San Francisco, they took out $70 billion of their funds. So pe people went to the bank, First Republic Bank, and were like, yo, I need all my money. And enough people did that to the, to the tune of $70 billion. Now, at this bank... 68% of depositors were uninsured. So basically, if you've ever gone to a regional bank um, or just one of the big, big banks, and you see that little sign, it'll say FDIC. 
And then if you read some of that fine print, it says up to $250,000. So the FDIC is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And basically what they what they do, at least the gist of what they do, because I haven't done a lot of research on them yet. But basically, they help to ensure that you get your money in case a bank goes out of business. But the cap that they have is $250,000. So let's say you have a bank account at, I don't know, uh, let's say you have a bank account at just, well, I guess I'll just say Chase Bank, JP Morgan Chase. And eventually you save $250,000 and you have it at JP Morgan Chase. Now, let's say that for whatever reason, enough people pull their money out of JP Morgan Chase because they're just afraid that there's going to be an economic recession. Uh, you know, they're just struggling as far as the interest rates being increased and that putting pressure on just everybody as far as like borrowing funds. They pull out enough money to the point where JP Morgan Chase is in trouble. They need help. So if you have $250,000 in that bank, the FDIC or the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation will make sure that you get your $250,000 back because that's their that's a part of their mandate, that's a part of their job to make sure that you're protected up to that amount. Now, if you have more than $250,000 in that bank and there's a run on the bank and the bank goes go basically goes bankrupt, you're you're not guaranteed to get anything above $250,000. AKA you shit out of luck. You lost out on money that you put in that bank. So again, going back to First Republic Bank, 68% of their customers had more than $250,000 in cash at that bank. And there was essentially a run on that bank. So some of those customers lost, you know, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, thousands, hundreds, you know, there's people who got big, big, big bank accounts at some of these banks. You know, San Francisco is a pretty affluent place. I mean, it is in California. So, yeah, but that that's that's insane. So that's something that occurred uh, as of late. Uh, what else has been going on? Interest rate hikes. Uh, they also caused uh, the First Republic Bank to have large losses on long run treasuries. So, again, these banks, they have different types of assets that they manage in order to have reserve requirements, in order to try to protect their asset base, in order to try to protect their customers and make sure that they have enough money when people take money out of the bank. But again, when they invest in debt securities or when they invest in things like treasury bonds and interest rates are increased by the Federal Reserve, the price of those treasury bonds go down. Because again, institutional investors um, and even retail investors, they will chase after yield. They want the they want to put their money in something that's going to generate a, a larger return on their capital. So if interest rates go up on short term treasuries, people are going to take 
their money that they invested in 10-year bonds or 20-year bonds or 30-year bonds, and they're going to put them in three-year bonds or five-year bonds or one-year bonds or three-month bonds, or they're going to do like treasury bills. And when, and when there's a large influx into short-term interest rates, the yields on those will go up higher. One, because the Federal Reserve increased those short-term interest rates, and two, because, again, there's a large influx of capital being put into those those assets because people want to generate a higher return on their on their money so that it's not just sitting there collecting dust or losing value to inflation so again that's something that has been happening to these banks and they're having large losses because of this so basically what they're doing is it will be the equivalent of you bought an investment interest rates went up and the value of your investment went down and you had to sell it to try to generate enough money in order to fulfill your customers withdrawals. So that has what that's been the thing that's happening with some of these larger banks. Well, they're not like super duper large, but they're pretty large. Um, so, yeah, going back to my notes, um, the U.S. Treasury they stepped in to help with First Republic and some of these other banks. So let's talk about that briefly. Now, again, the U.S. Treasury Department and other institutions, they came to help these banks. So as far as the First Republic bank failure or bank run, banks like J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Citigroup, and seven other large banks deposited a total of $30 billion into First Republic Bank in order to help ease its pressures. Okay, that was on Friday. So, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been hell in the financial sector. It's been hell in the economy as a whole, even though the consumer is very strong. Unemployment is at a 53 and a half year low, but still... They're, they're, the contagion, the, the spread of fear is beginning to increase throughout the economy. Again, because as they continue to increase interest rates, it just puts too much pressure on businesses and investors uh, that are banking on interest rates to be low. So yeah, um, back to my notes here. Monday, on Monday... Amazon cut another 9,000 jobs, totaling 27,000 jobs, you know, in, in recent months. This is according to Rudders. Now, on Tuesday, the Union Bank of Switzerland bought Credit Suisse for $3 billion after years of trouble and large deposit outflows on account of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic and Signature Bank failures. So even with that, Let's stop and talk about that briefly. The Union Bank of Switzerland, so a bank in another country, they bought a bank in their country that was already having financial troubles for $3 billion. And once again, uh, Credit Suisse or Credit Suisse, I don't know how people say it. I know most, most people in America say Credit Suisse. So Credit Suisse basically... Their, their customers got afraid of what was happening here in America with Silicon Valley Bank, with First Republic Bank, and Signature Bank. And because of that, they took a lot of their money out of Credit Suisse. Because of that, 
the Union Bank of Switzerland had to come in and buy Credit Suisse for $3 billion. Um, and apparently Credit Suisse is notorious for having a lot of issues and trouble. Honestly, part of my ignorance on the subject, I do not really follow um, international finance or banking or any of it as far as like just me being an investor. I know that sounds weird and crazy, but I just don't follow it. I, I'm still learning about and understanding the nuances of the, um, the American financial uh, economy. You know, Lord knows how complicated it is overseas. So, yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. Union Bank of Switzerland, they bought Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse customers was like, yo, we need our money. So, yeah, basically, they, I don't know if they got saved, but, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it helped a bit. So, there's a lot of what they call contagion going on with these banks starting to fail it's it's freaking everybody out even i just seen recently on facebook people talking about you know oh, don't keep your money in the banks and this and that blah 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 it's just like okay it's not necessarily okay boycott the banks what you need to do is understand like what 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 level is your bank at is it just like a regional bank or is it like one of the big five or the big three is it a top 10 bank? Is it a top five bank? Because, again, you want to look at the liquidity of the bank. How much money, how much solvency, how solvent is the bank that you that you put your money into? The more money that they have on, on, on deck, on hand, you know, the more cash that they have in those vaults, the, the better the better it is for you as as a customer or a depositor. Also, another thing you have to look at, too, though, is how they how they manage their risk, how they manage their investments, because when you look at the economy right now and where we are, there's a lot of interest rate risk, because, again, when the Federal Reserve increases interest rates, it causes a lot of damage because the cost of capital is higher. It's more expensive to do business. It's more expensive to borrow money. It's less beneficial to lend money um, if the people that you're lending to are affected by a higher interest rate environment on top of higher inflation because they're more likely to default on their loans if they're getting loans which is not good for those who are lending out money at a higher rate. Yes, they can increase the interest rate if you're a bank lending money, but who's to say you're going to you're going to get that money back? Especially if those interest rates that are causing you issues as a bank is causing the customers issues um as a borrower. So yeah, man, that's a lot of what's been going on. But um as far as banking, it's just like, yeah, um, I commented on, on that post that I saw on Facebook, but basically, um, just to kind of give a quick synopsis on it, if you're, and who else says this, you know, who says this all the time and it's so key, it's so simple, but it's so profound and important. Uh, Ian Dunlap, AKA the master investor. Uh, if you ever heard of market Mondays or earn your leisure, he's one of, he's the investing guy there that talks he, he specializes in investments he always says invest in the top two or top three in the category 
So if you're investing in stocks and you like technology, investing in Apple or Microsoft, NVIDIA is, is ideal. Those are the top companies in technology. So again, I, I take what he does and I just remix it a little bit by basically saying a similar, a similar thing. If you're going to put your money in a bank, you need to be banking with a top three or top five bank. So Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, uh, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs. As far as like the top three, top five, they all have a trillion dollars in assets under management. So the, the, the likelihood of those banks failing is very, very, very low. It's very, very, very slim. There would really have to be a lot of wild shit going on for for some of those top banks in America to uh yeah to have a bank run to lose all of their depositors because they have so much cash on hand another thing that you can do if you're if you're looking at you know okay the bank that you have is maybe a smaller local bank in your neighborhood and you're just kind of unsure about it and you want to bank with a bigger bank also, too, another thing that I got, to, I forgot to say, full disclosure, like, yo, do your Googles, do your research, all right? This is all for informational purposes only. None of this is investment advice. None of this is financial advice, okay? I'm just speaking from experience and the things that I know and the things that I'm trying to understand over time. Now, getting back to what I was saying, if you're, if you're going to bank with a, with a top three bank or a top five bank, do the research. These banks have something called a, li a liquidity coverage ratio, which it basically says for the amount of money, for the amount of cash that that bank has, or the amount of, of money or just investments that they manage, they need to have 100% liquidity against whatever investments that they're making. So something that you want to look at in a top three or top five bank is something called the liquidity coverage ratio. If it is lower than 100%, do not put your money in that bank. That is something that I, I would say to myself. So you can look at a bank's liquidity coverage ratio by going to their website and Typically, they'll have something called investor relations. You can probably find it in that section under that tab, or you can type in the name of your bank, and then you can also type in next to the name of it, solvency. The solvency basically just says, what is the, how much money does the bank have on hand, and what is the likelihood that they go bankrupt and, and, and completely shut down? So again, just... Think of it in the most simplest terms. The bigger your like the bigger your emergency fund is, the longer you can go without having a job. If that makes sense. You know how they say like you should have three to six months uh, of your salary saved to the side just in case of emergencies. So look at it this way. The, a bank's liquidity coverage ratio is their emergency fund. And something that they do with the liquidity coverage ratio is they have a 30-day time period. So what they do is they have these things called stress tests. 
and they'll go through a scenario that says, okay, what happens if over the next 30 days, a large amount of our customers come and take their money out? Do we have enough cash on hand to fulfill those withdrawals and still do business the next day or the next month after that? Are, are we still going to survive that 30 day uh, just onslaught of withdrawals? So again, there's a percentage, there's a ratio there and you literally can look at it. They have to make this public domain. So again, if you're banking with a top three or top five bank and you want to figure out if they're safe, one, one thing, there's, there's hundreds of things to look at, but one thing you can look at once again is the liquidity coverage ratio. And it's going to show um, that for most big banks, the requirement is that the ratio has to be 100%. So, yeah, anything that's over 100% is A-OK. -okay. If it's 100%, it's, it's, it's pushing it, but it still is pretty good. If the liquidity coverage ratio of a bank is less than 100%, you probably, you, 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 you should be worried. So I'm going to just say that. Now, let me get back to my notes and then I need to wrap this up. So where are we at here? Yeah, we talked about First Republican Signature. We talked about the bank of uh, the Union Bank of Switzerland buying credit suites for three billion. Now, on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve, they raised interest rates another 25 basis points. Now, you've heard me already talking about what what happens when they increase interest rates. But unfortunately, they just had to do it one more time. And everybody was anticipating this. And the market did not like it the very next day. Um, even though they had a positive reaction the first day that it happened, which didn't make any sense to me. But yeah, the federal funds rate is now at 4.75% and 5%. So it is, it's getting crazy out here in these streets, man. And these financial streets is really getting nasty. So why did the Federal Reserve increase interest rates? This was done to try to bring inflation down further to the, the Federal Reserve's standard, which is 2%. They want inflation to, to remain at 2% at all times. When it's at 2%, they feel like the economy flourishes at its best. But right now, it still is well above 2%. It's at, what is it at? Like 5 or 6% still. So we've got a ways to go. But what they're doing now is they're increasing interest rates in order to cause more damage to the economy and get people to stop spending so much money. If people stop spending so much money, eventually companies are going to have to put their prices, uh, they're going to have to decrease their prices because there's going to be a lack of demand because there's a lack of, of money coming in or lack of income. Um, another thing that the Federal Reserve wants to do um honestly is they want unemployment to increase they might not come out and outright say it but they want they want unemployment are they yeah they want unemployment to increase because again if less people if more people are work are 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 not working basically let me say it like this if less <laughs> like I want it, I want this to make sense. So basically like this, if unemployment increases, 
that is beneficial for the Federal Reserve because they look at that as, okay, if unemployment increases higher over time, over the next, I don't know, 12, 12 to 18 months, that means that inflation has a better chance of coming down. And if it comes down, we can get back to, you know, maximum employment and then, you know, price stability, which are the two mandates of the Federal Reserve. But the Federal Reserve, they basically have to beat everybody's ass from a financial perspective in order to get things under control. Inflation is not fully going to come down until they do enough damage in the financial markets for that to happen. And one of the main culprits of the consumer being so strong right now and the economy not being as, you know, just as shaky is, again, because unemployment is at a 53 and a half year low. People are still able to get jobs. However, you are starting to see an uptick uh, in you know, layoffs, like I said earlier, Amazon, 27,000 layoffs recently. Facebook is doing like 10,000 layoffs. Um, a lot of people in tech are doing layoffs. As you can see with the financial sector, some of these banks are having to do layoffs. So for the Federal Reserve, that's a good sign because it's going to cause people to lose their jobs. If they lose their jobs, they're not going to have money. If they don't have money, they can't buy things. If they cannot buy things, Businesses are going to have to put their products on sale because of the lack of demand. From there, inflation will start to come down at a faster clip, giving the Federal Reserve what it wants. But that's not the only thing that's going to cause inflation to come down, or that's not the only thing that the Federal Reserve is, is into or trying to do or needs to do. They also have to get their balance sheet in order. Um, but that's a whole nother topic in episode. So let me finish my notes, and then we're going to wrap this up. So... Basically, again, like I said, the Federal Reserve just increased interest rates another 25 basis points. We are now at four and three quarters and five percent on the federal funds rate. So the cost of capital is higher. You know, as of March 21st, 22nd, 2023. So that sucks. Now, something kind of terrifying and interesting that I that I also gleaned was uh Unemployment projections for for the end of this year are at four and a half percent. Four and a half percent. So let me give you let me give you a little bit of a backstory to that. Unemployment for the last couple of months has been stuck at about three point four percent and three point five percent. Historically, they're saying that that's a fifty three and a half year low. Excuse me, basically meaning that there are plenty of jobs available for each unemployed person, which means that the consumer is not struggling as much. But now they're saying by the end of this year, the unemployment might might be or could possibly be at four and a half percent. Now, let me break that down for you quickly. And you guys can do my math and all that. You know, fix the math or whatever if you want later. But four, four and a half, four and a half percent at the end of the year equals over five million jobs lost in the U.S. Like, man, that is scary. That is scary. I'm not even going to front. Um, on the inflation front, they're saying that inflation could reach 
3.3% by the end of this year. So, again, it's, I mean, I'm not sure how they do these projections because I didn't do any work on that. But, yeah, man, that is, that is terrifying. That is terrifying to, to anybody who, who has, like, your standard, typical blue-collar job. You just don't know when it's going to hit, where it's going to hit, how fast it's going to hit. Like, man, you just got to be ready on all fronts. Like, build up your cash reserves as much as you can. Increase your skills as much as you can. If you can start a side hustle, start a side hustle. Um, you know, if you're good at investing short-term, invest short-term to bring in some extra income. Like, you know, uh, what else? Reduce your Reduce your capital expenditures every month. Like, create a budget. Like, don't play around with this. Over 5 million jobs, that's a lot of people. Um... Man, it's crazy. But uh, what else? Um, let me finish this up. On Thursday, according to Rudders, uh, most vulnerable, mo the most vulnerable U.S. banks lost a total of one trillion dollars, and most of these losses occurred this month in March 2023. That is insane. Once again, on Thursday, according to a Rudders report, the most vulnerable U.S. banks lost a total of one trillion dollars with a t and most of that was lost in march because of these recent bank run so man it's just it's yeah it's getting very 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 interesting um for sure especially as somebody who's like a you know i guess i'll call myself like an amateur analyst this is these are the beginning stages for me i've been at it now for what this is my third year and boy let me tell you it's a lot to keep up with, but um, yeah, it is. It's very fascinating the way that human behavior uh, translates into just financial disaster. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting, but it's a lot of it, it. It really is behavioral. We have the same historical tendencies throughout history. If you look, if you look back at all the financial uh, data from the many decades you will see like what's happening right now is is not you know it's really not that different from give you know what maybe like the 1970s when inflation got to what it was well above 10 percent they ended up having to raise interest rates like 20 percent the prime rate got to like 20 percent paul volcker came in and just broke the entire economy we, we went into a recession from there. It just, you know, in order to get inflation down and I'm not saying that what's happening now is is reminiscent of that. But it's there are some similar, you know, nuances of that in this new economy or whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, man, it's very interesting. And honestly, the, the more, you know, in regards to finance, the better off you you can be because you can put together a solid game plan and you can kind of know when to when to pivot or, or, or not pivot, you know, pun intended. Uh, if you're somebody who, who pays attention to the Fed. But yeah, man, you, you really got to you got to be on your P's and Q's, man. You can't you can't get caught slipping whatever job you have. Like, understand that it could be you could lose that job at any at any at a moment's notice so make sure that you have transferable skills so yeah um basically 
where I'm going with that is I want to finish this up by just looking at a few questions. So what can we learn from the recent bank failures and from the Federal Reserve interest rate hikes? Number one, always keep short term liquid reserves, a.k.a. cash close by and available. So some short term cash. You know, you can do some old school stuff. You can get a you can get a fireproof, waterproof safe. You can do that. Or again, if you're not afraid of it, you can put some of your money in a bank. You can have typical savings account, typical checking account. That's something that someone could do. Um, another thing. What else can you do to learn from all of this mayhem that has been happening? You can read the fine print on contracts, disclosures and policies. Because there's a lot of underlying risk that people are unaware of. And one of the main factors is their their lack of understanding. People don't study. People don't read. They don't want to do the work. But then when shit hits the fan, everybody wants, wants their questions answered. It's like, you want answers, but you're not willing to look for them. Like, what do you expect? You know? So, yeah. Another thing is, too, with these banks, when you open bank accounts, they they have disclosures. They have documentation that tells you how their fee structures are. They have documentation that tells you different things. Um, like I said, you can look online and you can find their liquidity coverage ratios to see how solvent the bank is, a.k.a. do they have enough emergency funds to, to satisfy a large amount of withdrawals at one at one time in a 30 day period. You know, those are things that you have to be you have to be willing to look for that information. You have to be willing to find that and read it and understand it. And you can ask questions. But if you're not reading enough, you're not going to know what questions to ask. And you're going to throw people off that work at these financial institutions or whatever. So, yeah, man, do your due diligence. Put in the work. Read through the documentation. Don't be lazy. Now, what is the third thing that you can do to try to improve upon your situation or protect yourself in these, you know, in these crazy times like this? Don't wait until the last minute. You know, just don't wait till the last minute. Another thing is like, don't don't be in denial, you know, about what skills you lack or what discipline you don't have in certain areas. If you have a goal, you need to attack that goal, you know, with just with so much vigor and, and, you know, intensity, but you also need to attack your goals with a sense of urgency. We don't have all the time in the world. Don't wait until the last second to do something. If you want to do something, because that's what a lot of a lot of people are doing as far as what's going on in the economy. They're waiting until the last minute to to try to like you know get their shit together because oh my god, they're realizing like you know, wow, well, just the other day I had this six-figure salary, but now I got laid off and I didn't have any other backup plan. I didn't have any other side income, no other streams of income coming in, nothing. No savings, no investments, no nothing. I just had this job and the salary. Now the salary's gone because I got laid off. Or, you know, if if you were working at one of those banks that went under, it's like, man, you gotta have back. You gotta have a backup plan for the backup plan. Period. I don't care what nobody says, man. Oh, you know, 
if you have if you have you know if you have a plan b you can't focus on plan a or whatever the hell there's some type of saying look you gotta you gotta make sure that you're covered on all fronts especially when the economy starts to get shaky and rocky like this because there's no telling what might happen um or how bad it might get they still haven't classified this as a recession yet which is <laughs> i mean i don't know what the hell's going on but where's uh what do you call it Where's NBER when you need them? The National Bureau of Economic Research. They, I don't know. Have they caught a recession yet? Has anybody found out? Um, if they have, please comment on this episode and let me know. But I haven't heard anybody say anything about we are in a legitimate recession. However, we already have three three bank failures, a.k.a. like semi bailouts, because, of course, you know, other banks are coming in. The Treasury came in to try to help them out, whatever, whatever. But, yeah. This, if this isn't the recession, man, when it hits, sheesh, even if it's a short one, sheesh, like, man, but yeah, man, anyway, once again, always keep short-term cash available. Number two, read the fine print on all of your contracts, disclosures, policies, uh, investment statements, bank statements, whatever. Read the fine print. Don't be lazy. And number three, don't wait until the last minute to get your shit in order. Like, get your shit in order right now. D don't, don't, don't miss this opportunity because honestly, you know, in the chaos and, and when there's opposition, there's also opportunity. So you also have to understand that as well. Some of this is not you know, what you think it is. It's really an opportunity for you to get your shit together. All of us, whoever's listening, as well as myself, I got to get my shit together too. That's a part of the reason why I'm doing this episode. So yeah, man, stay on your P's and Q's, man. Don't get caught slipping because shit is really getting greasy out here. It really, really is. So be prepared for any and everything at all times. You know, these companies, they don't, they don't love us. You know, they just they just want us for our man hours, woman hours. You know, they just want us to use us. And that's it. They don't care about if we retire with it with a million dollars or they don't care if we retire and are able to not ever work again after we retire. They don't care if we get a raise or not. Uh, you know, they don't care about the well-being of our family members. They don't care about our health uh, and peace of mind. They don't care about none of that. They just want us to come in and grind out some work for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day. You know, that that's all they care about. So you, you definitely need to be mindful of that and, and put the work in, build up your skills. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's on social media, build up your social media presence. If you're if you're able to, like, turn that into, you know, some type of monetization process, whatever you got to do, man, like do it. Protect yourself at all costs because shit really is. It's getting wild out here, man. But I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been, honestly, I've been waiting for this for a while. I know that sounds weird, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see it now because of the way that, uh, just the way that I'm able to look at like what's happening and kind of have a little bit more of an understanding of what's going on because it helps you to be able to be better prepared for it and not be as shocked. This is not shocking by any stretch of the imagination. It's really not. But if you're somebody who doesn't follow finance or doesn't study business or how things are happening in these in these markets, in this economy, it's going to shock the hell out of you. So yeah, please do your research, man. 
consult with your financial advisors, consult with your nutritionists on the fitness front, uh, consult with your doctors, consult with, uh, you know, a personal trainer if you're into that, you know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, man, just keep grinding. That's all I can really say. But uh, anyway, if you enjoyed the finance portion of today's episode, and if you enjoyed the whole episode, make sure that you download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. So with that being said, you already know who it is. I'm not going to say it again. I'm out.